Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Linux After Dark. I'm Joe. I'm Chris. I'm Gary. And I'm Dalton. Welcome back, chaps. So today I want to talk about efficiency, energy efficiency of our setups generally. We all have got a ton of machines running all the time, whether that's just VPSs or actual physical boxes running. And the other day I was thinking, I wonder if I need everything that I'm running. Given that the cost of energy is the highest that it's ever been, and it doesn't look like it's going to go down anytime soon, this is something that I think I'm not alone in thinking about. No. I've always tried with my setup to look for the lowest power consumption that I can, but there's certain kind of red lines which just block it. For example, I am still not convinced by anything I've seen that is ARM-based that also has SATA ports. So therefore, I run a B-uphold Optiplex or HP equivalent Elite Desk with two three and a half inch drives in because I just and that's for important data with a single mirror. You know, it's I'm not going to go mad, but I just can't find something that would be in my house that would use less electricity. But it does idle quite a lot of the time because it's mainly a storage device and it, it doesn't use a lot of electricity. I recently got a smart meter. I didn't want one, but it was free. I would have had to pay to get an old fashioned one. So I got one and I put it in Grafana and Influx and I'm having a look. And the little thing they give you gives you like a pence per hour reading. And I think in the evenings when we're watching TV and stuff in the summer at the moment, with gas and electricity combined, we're using about 7p an hour. And I was actually inspired by Popey, who tweeted his, which was much higher. I can't remember what it was. And a few of his friends chipped in. So I feel like I'm doing okay. But that would be one thing I would want to try and do, if possible, and I've not done, is make that. I guess I could buy a Synology. Um, is that obviously I can already hear Gary's voice. It works. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> but um, that's on 24-7. But anything else that I have on 24-7, I've got the uh, 35-watt Elite Desks with the T-line of processors in them for Blue Iris because it has to run on a Windows machine. And if you're going to virtualize it, you have to have a massively powerful virtualization server. So I've just dedicated one of those to it. When it's doing AI, it does it all in CPU. So it does spin up when it's trying to analyze anything that's caught on the cameras. So that's that's where I start from. I've always tried to minimize my electrical footprint with this stuff anyway yeah so mine is is also pretty small and i think it's evolved over time because i did used to run some much more beefy stuff so i used to run uh, some dell r210s and i had a pair of those running a hyper v cluster uh, back <laughs> when energy was much cheaper what did you do with it i mean these are you know, single xeon machines and they had 16 gig of ram in and i was adminning a Hyper-V cluster at work. So it was a bit of personal development stuff and a bit of running stuff in various VMs because this was before Docker was a thing. So I used to try and segregate the workloads out into separate VMs. <laughs> so yeah, I used to run that at home and then had to start paying my own energy bills. So cut it down to a single one of those. And after that, moved on to running a couple of the or similar machines to Chris has, so the 35-watt Optiplex micro, like one-liter PC things. And more recently, I've moved off of all of that, and I have a single Synology that does my file storage, and that's a Celeron, I think it's an N2820 or something, super low-power Celeron, 
and that runs all of my storage and there's a few applications on there running in docker so my next cloud instance etc runs on there and then i've got a pi 4 in an argon 1 m.2 case uh, which just allows you to do a usb attached m.2 drive so that's got a 512 gig m.2 hung off the back of it and that runs a few applications that need less storage and i'm not too bothered about the redundancy of the storage other than that, it's just kind of miscellaneous network hardware. And I think probably the thing that uses the most is the Unify UDM. How do you count the energy usage that your VPSs do, though? You've got them. I know you do. Yeah, this is true. I didn't mention those. I mean, I've got two or three VPSs. Yeah, me too. Two of them are ARM-based VPSs in AWS. So those are relatively low power, and I would hope much better price and performance than their Intel counterparts. Uh, the other one is just a $5 one in Linode. So I would imagine at the scale that Linode are operating, the power usage of that is relatively low. And I would think that the four ARM cores that I've got in AWS, the impact has got to be pretty low as well. So I've thought about that. Like I have this stuff on site. I've got the Synology on site here. But for people who are out and around and accessing things like their calendar or contacts, I'd rather have them hitting an internet server. So I've kept like Nextcloud remote instead of bringing it on here. Because I don't want to do too much port forwarding or VPNing or anything like that even. But I think that would increase the efficiency of the setup a bit. Yeah, so that's why I run that kind of stuff on site. And then it's just forwarded through via the VPSs. So the VPSs uh, have a VPN back only to have access to the machine that Nextcloud is running on, and then Cloudflare and stuff sits in front of that. So I'm relatively happy with the security of it. But like you say, it's you're adding that extra layer of overhead there in order to not run those applications in the cloud. You still have your cloud server so that you cannot run your VPSs in the cloud. Yeah, I mean, part of it is because I'm cheap and storage is much more expensive in the cloud than I can put it in my Synology app. Yeah, there we go. Well, for me, it's all pretty minimal. I've got my NAS, which is uh, a J1800 Celeron, which I think it's like about 28 watts idle and about 32 watts under heavy load because it's pretty much always under heavy load. And that's like the real source of truth. And then I've got uh, another remote box, which is a Bricks, which doesn't use much. That's just got one hard drive attached to it. And then the minimal VPS footprint that I can have really. And that's not even so much about energy usage or cost. It's more about complexity, really. I just want to keep things as simple as possible. So I don't think that I could make things really realistically any more efficient unless I just didn't have that second backup server. But I feel like I kind of want to have something that's not attached to the same box as the NAS in case that whole thing just goes awry. Like... I don't know what could happen, but who knows? But then you get into the client side of things, like desktops and laptops. And my main machine is a 9900K-based <laughs> desktop, which is not exactly the most efficient. But idling, it's not too bad. And underload, I mean, it is a good couple of hundred watts underload. And uh, yeah, that's not ideal. But then I'm only using it when I'm using it. And I don't just leave it on burning 30 watts or whatever it is constantly. Whereas I feel like a lot of people do. Yeah, I've seen that a lot too. So what I've actually taken to doing is because 
The room that I usually stay in is so hot and cannot accept a 250 watt space heater running all the time. <laughs> I actually stream my desktop from the basement. <laughs> <laughs> so my desktop runs in the basement only when it's needed. So I wake it on land and then shut it down when I'm finished. And it idles at about 40 watts. It's an Intel 12400. And even that with the RX 480 idles at like 40 watts. And that's, that's a lot. Whereas instead, my laptop uses that running full bore. Yeah. So what I've taken to doing is almost all the time, I only have my laptop running right now is one of those times. But then if I want to play a game or something, I will wake up the computer in the basement and use that instead and stream it up here. Yeah, I mean, I have a desktop machine, which is a bit of an old beta behind the TV, and I do exactly what you said, Dalton. I have Wake on LAN set up on my phone, and I just ping it because I'm lazy, and I can't be bothered to reach behind the TV to press the power <laughs> button. That is very lazy. It is very lazy, but <laughs> it's great. Yeah, you, you just ping it on. It's a fourth-gen i5, like 4570, I think, and it's got a GT730 DDR3 one gigabyte in it, which is barely better than the integrated graphics of the CPU. Recently, I've been looking into replacing that because I've become a little bit obsessed with these little HP 35 watters. They do a Ryzen 5 uh, from the second gen of Ryzen. The integrated graphics would be twice as good as that, and the processor would be four cores, eight threads instead of four cores, four threads, and it would be a one liter form factor. So if I pick one of those up cheaply, that's going to become the replacement for that. But it's not on all the time. I used to have, if we go back far enough, a Core 2 Duo that used to sit on all the time under the TV. And I used to watch things on it. I used to play games on it, but it would just sit there on all the time. And that would probably cost a lot more to run now. But again, like Gary said, I was not thinking about those things back then. And now, especially because I feel like every day we wake up and they add 500 pounds to the price cap. Of yeah. the energy. <laughs> like I'm increasingly looking at ways I can reduce it. A lot of it's in the standing charge for electricity, which is what's frustrating. Mm. So you can turn all your machines off and still have horrible bills, but that would be one place that I would like to, because I would, I would benefit. It would play, I use it to play games, not very hard ones to play, but it would be twice as good for a lot less power draw. So, and, and it would take up less space as well. It feels like the efficiency savings we can make in our homes and in our personal setups are one thing. And we will obviously benefit from making them more efficient personally. But what about in workplaces up and down this country and across the world? You've got these machines that are just on all the time and not even sleeping, right? Like Gary and Dalton, I know you've looked after companies fleets of machines like am i right in thinking that they just leave them on all the time so they can do windows updates and stuff in the middle of the night no so i mean recently uh the state of california at least required that computers have screens off in five minutes and sleep in 10 minutes and that's just been the default so that's why that's the default in windows if you've ever wondered about that but that's actually really helped as companies reconsider what they actually need after they start coming in with the default set like that. So there's actually a big business in getting software that ensures that your computers actually go to sleep. Of course, tracking who's logged into them as well to figure out what resource usage you actually have. But that has been something that I've seen grow a lot in the past few years is 
scheduling software to ensure that machines turn on when they're supposed to and turn off when they're supposed to. Right. Because back in the before times, when I used to go to studios, friends who work in them and stuff, I would just just walk through studio after studio, office after office, and they'd just be on, screens on, just not even a screensaver or anything, just machines just ready to go because they didn't want to turn them off because like everything was so precariously set up and they didn't dare turn even anything off. And that just seemed like so inefficient to me. Well, certainly in the last place I worked, the reason that people left their machines on all the time was because they would RDP back into them when working from home. Right, yeah. Uh, so you've got to hope that that stuff has changed over the last couple of years with companies getting more geared up for it and you know, having proper VPN infrastructure and stuff. But the place I worked, people used to RDP in through a remote desktop gateway back to their workstation under their desk. So we would have four or 500 machines just left on 24 hours a day. That's interesting, too. A lot of places have started deploying laptops instead of desktops. So I wonder if that's actually had a measurable impact on energy usage across the industry. Because instead of these 65-watt TDP processors everywhere, they've been basically replaced with 15, 25 watts instead. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, three out of the four of us are using a laptop as our personal machines now, right? Say, my main machine is the M1 Pro, and it maxes out at 30 watts. So you've got to think that... Yeah, in that place I was, most of the machines were like an i5-2400 or something like that. And that's pretty thirsty CPU by comparison. So you've got to imagine that that compounded with the effects of the AC not needing to run quite as much because they're not throwing out as much heat must have had an impact. But I very much doubt that you're going to get the statistics out of a lot of these companies to measure that at this point. Yeah, because I can remember walking through the middle of central London when I was much younger and seeing row after row of what Joe just described, Windows machines on the login screen waiting for control or delete Mm. to log in. Yeah. Just rows and rows of them. And now, like most places I've been in, yeah, it's exactly what you just said. You, You have a laptop under your arm and you dock it and turn it on. And with SSDs, that's another thing. It used to be, you know, I remember being in offices and people going, no, 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 don't turn it off, don't turn it off. Oh, and someone had turned it off because it would take so long (laughs) to start up when they started their workday. So all of that's changed, but it's certainly something that in my job we have to consider, like we do have to leave high performance computers switched on because we have people logging in from all over the world. And also we have people running arrays of jobs that take days to finish. That's just the nature of how it works. And that is the model for it. You know, if you're doing scientific research to say, oh, you can do a bit of it now, but we'll have to turn off that supercomputer and then you can come back to it. It's possible, but it's not really how it works. You, you, We have a job schedule you submit the jobs and, and it runs. And I do wonder how, you know, there's been stories in the news about data centers feeling the strain of, of the heat, the cost of things. I wonder that side of things, how, how it's going to pan out. Well, I do see in my day job more of a push towards thinking about sustainability from a lot of these IT teams. I mean, people are you know, more and more looking at things like auto-scaling. I mean, they have been for quite a few years now where they you scale the workload up and down depending on what the demand is. But there's been a real uptick in you know, even technology teams being pushed on sustainability, being pushed to use you know, the better, more energy efficient chips, move to ARM, move to serverless technologies where they're only running the services 
for you know the 30 seconds that they need them to execute a job so i do think in that regard things must have gotten better than they were you know even five years ago when people were running racks and racks of vmware servers well an arm has come up a couple of times here and uh, gary i know you are happily using your unmentionable <laughs> fruit-based device which is much more efficient than x86 but it feels like that's going to be a while before the other companies catch up and you know you can get some arm laptops running windows at this point but they're not quite there yet are they and the same with servers like there there are some incredibly powerful arm servers but again most cloud offerings are still x86 so it feels like it's going to be another what five years maybe before arm is dominant So what we're seeing right now is the combination of no one is able to get chips and no one is able to make chips faster, maybe because of the first option. So the only thing to do then is to make code that runs more efficiently, which I don't think has ever been done since making computer code was invented. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I'm actually seeing a little bit of places reconsidering how much they are using their software and how they can write it to make it more efficient rather than just how can they write it to do the job they want. And I think that's going to be a huge thing that comes out of current events. And I think it's going to be a good thing in the long run. I need to watch it in detail. I've only seen the the kind of crib notes, but recently you said, Joe, there is a Lenovo um, laptop um, that's come out and work to get Debian running on it has started in earnest. But one of the things that's in the headline is the camera doesn't work and probably will never work. Mm. And we're in that kind of territory with it, which is a shame uh, because that is, as you were talking and going down that arm line, that was the thing, you know, to harness things that require less wattage across the board and can handle the workloads. But for now, I, th- I think it's a good thing. I, I think in any situation, it's like creative people often say, you have to often be put in a situation where you have very limited means to be the most inventive you can be. If you look at films, for example, often films get a huge budget and they're crap. Yeah. And the film that had very little budget, the person's like, right, there is no other way I can do this. So I have to think of all the ways I can do it this way, if you see what I mean. So I, I, I you know, that does seem like a hopeful path that people could go down because they have to stop they can't go oh when's the next gen out what are we going to do no this is it now what are you going to do with this yeah i think that is the silver lining to come out of this is that everyone will be forced to just become more efficient and make the most out of what we've got and like dalton said actually after all these years write some code that actually thinks about efficiency for once so uh yeah, that's a nice positive way to end this, I think. Let's uh, let's get out of here then. You can email us, show at linuxafterdark.net if you have any thoughts on this. We'd love to hear from you. But we'll be back in two weeks. Until then, I've been Joe. I've been Chris. I've been Gary. And I've been Dalton. See you later. <laughs>